0: but I like to look at my expireds and canceleds and sit down and really ask myself, what happened? What was I not doing that made that active a closed?
1: Welcome back to the Business of Homes podcast. Michael Conrad here again, and I'm excited to bring you a Christmas episode with my friend, Chris Grimes. I thought today we would sort of dig into uh, the world of winter months and what are we all doing if it's too cold outside to actually sell a home? Are we working on our business and what does that look like? And so Chris has operated um, as an affiliate broker, a regular broker, a principal broker. He's been all the things. And so I felt like he would have a lot of great advice for our audience here about what to do in the winter months when you're prepping for the future. Chris, thank you for being here.
0: Thank you for letting me put the Chris in Christmas. Oh you've
1: yeah. been thinking about that one for a while. I did. <laughs> so um it's full on winter. It is cold okay. outside, and no doubt we are seeing a classic seasonal uh drop in activity pretty much across the board. Mm-hmm. Um it doesn't help that we're also in kind of a weird ebb and flow market. Mm-hmm. Um Sometimes the rates uh, shock us and sometimes they excite us. I've been seeing some exciting numbers recently. And, um, and so buyer behavior is certainly hard to uh, forecast and sellers are always inevitably just sort of hunkered down for the holidays. And so, you know, for those of us that are practicing real estate long term um, and are excited and looking forward to a new year, we usually take these winter months to sort of take stock. Look back, consider where maybe we found some successes or had some struggles in the year previous, and we're going back to the workbench and we're sharpening those tools and getting ready for uh, sort of the coming new year. What has that looked like for you in the past? Mm.
0: That's, you know, that's a loaded question uh-huh. because when looking from a business perspective. That's exactly what we should be doing. Taking advantage of this time when maybe the market is slower, but let's be honest, how many holiday parties do you have on your schedule in the next 10 days? Right. (laughs) Like, so I think it's easy to get distracted because we're thinking about our friends. We're thinking about our family, every company party out there and all the colleagues in, in sister industries that they're inviting us to things. We're celebrating. We are celebrating. And we have we've got a lot to celebrate, considering what all this world has been going through. Mm. If we can have a couple weeks of peace um, and reflection, that's wonderful. Um, I'll tell you, I have been that person in the past that's been very guilty of just floating by the holidays. Oh yeah, (laughs) making sure I've done my Christmas shopping first—that's the priority. Um, But I think ever since I stepped down from being a principal broker and started a team. Uh, my perspective has it's shifted. Hmm. It is easy as a broker. I'm not saying it's right, but it's easy as a broker sometimes to, um, to go into glide mode.
1: Yeah, let your foot off the gas. Yeah, um,
0: pat yourself on the back if you've been able to retain your agents, hmm. you've been able to grow the company, grow numbers. Um, but working in a team envi- in team environment, um, it's much more personal. There's a lot more. Um, accountability mm. or maybe it's a different level of accountability maybe that's a better way to put it um so with you know Joey and Jackie John and Larissa for me this has really been a season of working on our keeping morale up because it has been really tough mm. when interest rates are as they have been higher yeah. um it's you know we've got tons of work in the pipeline but it's just all kind of clogged you know um so keeping, you know, keeping morale up is that's been a priority. Yeah. For when it comes to planning for the next year, um, I think we are our team is constantly in a place of evaluating how we have performed on the last transaction. Cause we feel as though you're really only as good as your last transaction. That's mm. what people remember. And we're in a place now where we have enough experience under our belt. We market ourselves, but Probably eighty percent of our business is coming from past clients, whether it, they're, whether they're referrals or um, things like that. So we're kind of in this constant cycle of reevaluation. And you know, we still have things in the in the hopper to be closed this month. So it's kind of hard to assess our if you're like me and you're very anal about numbers. Yeah, it's
1: really hard to assess what you've done in the year until you really closed out the year. Yeah, that, that's been hard for me as a business owner too. I have a very rigid idea of the calendar and I really want to be able to capture January 1st to December 31st and understand how did we perform, fail, succeed, et cetera. And then I want to try to pull the data out of it yeah, and then make new decisions out of that data. And I think what you're sort of touching on here is data-driven decision-making, mm-hmm. which is so important because- this is an industry where you're going to have a lot of feelings. You're going to have up feelings. You're going to have down days. You're going to be all around based on kind of what's in front of you mm-hmm. because it's such a relational industry. It can't help but be emotional. However, what do I then do must really flow out of a more data driven decision making approach. So I like hearing that you're constantly looking back at the transaction behind you and knowing that you can't rest on laurels and you have to look at, where are the inefficiencies and where can we make improvements? But what I most love about what you're saying is that in this newly, relatively newly formed team, as opposed to sort of Chris of the past, you're being conscious that the forward moving energy, the numbers you put on the board or things that are getting clogged in the, in the hopper, it, it's a business driven approach. Mm -hmm. You're running not just an individual revenue sort of stream yourself, but a larger business. And that there is considerations over how your team members are performing in that or how you are supporting said team members or what is your overall result, not just your individual successes and failures. And yeah, I mean, I'm sure that nobody listening here is surprised to hear that a maybe a more traditional old school broker mindset might not consider that quite as much because, at the end of the day, the broker is the leader of the brokerage, not necessarily there to foster your individual success. And, and I know that might be a slightly contentious yeah. idea, but <laughs> ultimately, the agent is. Sort of the consumer of the brokerage. That's the brokerage, the perfect way to say it, right? The the brokerage serves the agent, not the ultimate end user, buyers and sellers. And so, um, the fact that you're being more conscious of your team's ability to produce as a full unit makes a ton of sense because it's now your full orientation rather than a slightly different bent where you were as a managing broker. You're right. Um-
0: The, the old school way or mindset of brokering was really about just, just looking at numbers and letting that be the sole focus of the business. And I'll just have to say this because I have been in those rooms with those conversations. This is not something that I think is really shared in front of agents. Ooh, it's making me nervous to even say this, but there are a lot of owners of companies and principal brokers out there that they really look at their agents from just a numbers perspective. They only see the value in the agent based on the dollar that that agent brings into the company. And don't get me wrong. It takes, you know, it takes dollars to pay the bills and to keep the lights on. And I really am nervous even saying that just because I know that it is there, there will probably be some very shocked people to hear that because, um, Most brokers don't come across as being that way. But when I was in a certain position, you know, the company had to be very numbers focused. And so I would come to the table and I would say, uh, just as an example, this person may not be producing at this level, but they are at every meeting and they are some of our biggest cheerleaders and they have helped us attract other agents. There may be a different kind of value that cannot just be put into a number that can't be monetized.
1: Yeah, it, it's difficult because you're right. This isn't a conversation that's common. There's no book to go read about this. But conceptually, it's confusing. It's muddy whether the broker is meant to operate as coach. And there mm-hmm. may be a more traditional old school idea amongst brokers that like, I don't really need to coach you, the individual agent. That's your job to sort of either coach yourself or get it elsewhere. I'm here to provide you like a compliance-oriented, safe, clean, managed place and framework to work within. It's not really, I'm not really here to sort of push you along on your journey. That's your responsibility. And in a lot of ways, there's sort of a a classic um, individual American individualism sort of approach of like, You're responsible for the performance of your business because you as an agent are running a business. And all I can focus on is having the right people here who are putting the right numbers on the board and providing them the best possible compliance and safe and insurance-oriented framework in which to work within. And yet the world changes and we must change along with it. And perhaps the brokers need to be more focused on coaching. I don't know. Should coaching be innately part of it? I think so. Hmm.
0: I, th- I think that the, the coaching also helps to instill a culture. You know, you get to know your leader. I mean, if when you're in a coaching environment, let's just say that the broker is the coach. You get to learn what their values, you know, um, what they prioritize, their beliefs, just through their coaching. And that will help you know whether you are well aligned with the company that you're with or not. And if you are, it helps to strengthen that and maybe even help you as an agent want to bring in colleagues that are your friends that might fit that culture. I think, I think, I think coaching not only can help with things that the obvious things like productivity, um, uh, efficiency and things like that, but I think it also creates it, it can create a bond, a deeper bond between a broker and an agent.
1: So you're, illustrating even more so the importance of going back to the workbench and working on infrastructure and considering your goals for next years by showing us that there is such a difference between certain brokerage level coaching. Some brokers are not really helping you with that to-do list. And some are saying, hey, let's take this time. Let's take stock of where we got to in this sort of post-fall holiday time. And let's now use this as a springboard into the next year. So if coaching looks so different in different teams and different brokerages, well, then let's draw out some of the things that we know are existing at the very least at some of your high producing teams as evidenced by, I know you run a great team. So what are you saying? I'm going to take a step
0: to the left. And I believe that brokerages, they also wait until we get to the pa- to the end of the year and start the next year like right now administrations uh brokers are sitting back and they've already kind of planned out what they're going to be doing in in january which is traditionally a very slow month in real estate Mm -hmm. what they're what they're going to be doing to help like to either coach or what kind of resources or tools they're going to be giving their agents the next month um as an example um our company is uh they're going to be hosting ninja classes. Mm. That ninja is a great program. Ninja mm. selling, selling tools, yep. Yeah. Um it I I experienced that a few years ago um with a different company. Um so I I know it's a gr- they teach you some great practices, some great systems. Um I've tried to teach those systems to my team. I would attribute most of my what I call success to employing those practices, but brokerages right now are, they already have, or they are planning to roll those things out the first month or two of next year. Um, and it's probably because we are all overwhelmed with holiday parties and, and travels and things like that as well. So I'm just going to, in my mind, take myself into January. What will I be doing next month? Yeah. I will be assessing my numbers. Um, I like to look at, like everyone else, it makes, you look, it makes you feel good when you can look back to see what your closings look like. Mm. It makes you feel great when you can see what your active and uh, coming soon pipeline looks like. Mm-hmm. But I like to look at my expireds and canceleds mm. and, and sit down and really ask myself, what happened with that? If it was a cancellation and I put it back on the market, why did I have to do that? Did I overprice it? Was I not giving it my best with marketing? Did I not market the best aspects of the house? What did I, what was I not doing that made that active a closed? And, um, and then I take it from there. Um, I also like to, um, I like to print out all of my closings and look to see, okay, who was that client and how did I get to know that client? was it this person before them or, or, you know, was it from another client in the past? When I was training agents, I used to call it, who's your granddaddy. Um, it was my way of saying how far back can you trace that in your tree Mm. and go back to those people and, you know, show them your appreciation. Mm. Um, a lot of times you'll see that you'll find repetitive business coming from the same people. And sometimes just having that on paper and putting it in front of you will remind you of
1: those people. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. These are massive um, gold nugget drops here. And I want to highlight it because I think it's worth mentioning that for your listeners here who are current practitioners of real estate, some of them are getting in, some of them have been a long time. This is boots on the ground information that you may not be hearing elsewhere. So let's talk about a classic um, sort of way to improve ourselves. And that's like, look at our failures. It's not as fun. It's certainly not as fun. But if you're struggling to reach a running distance in a a certain amount of time, what is causing you that pushback and that resistance? If you're hitting expireds and cancels, you know, these are great places to learn where you could use improvement. And yes, the scariest phone call of all would be to reach out to that person That was in that transaction with that client and say, help me understand why this happened, get their feedback. Oh, that would just be very difficult. But I mean, the outsized amount of learning and knowledge you would get out of just considering those situations or even making those phone calls could be massive. I mean, if Mm -hmm. you can figure out not how to get new opportunities quite as much as how do I capitalize on the opportunities that I already have or Mm-hmm. Where did I lose out on the opportunities that were presented to me? Mm-hmm. You know, if you can consider those things, literally your efficiency, parentheses, profitability goes way up over time because it's literally um, less work, more effect. And yeah. so consideration of those things is a time honored tradition in a lot of other places, um, but it's a good piece of encouragement for us in the real estate business. I know I can be uh, accused of saying, okay, I'm good with my failures. I'm not going to beat myself up too much, but I am not going to think about them very much. And I'm moving on, you know, that's my Enneagram seven in me. And so moving on (laughs) is a great place to be, to keep you emotionally buoyant, but it doesn't, it's not a teacher, you know, that Mm -hmm. ignoring component, it's not teaching you. Mm -hmm. And secondly, this idea of tracing back your connections. We've all heard it a million times. This is a relational business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. But like, but you actually don't know everyone you work with not intimately not necessarily in the same respect and so you are going to be able to trace back relational i don't know energy or points or something re- related back to somewhere somehow someone mm-hmm. and go and tracing that doing the work and honoring those that have been your mavens who've been passing out your true believers you know uh, your mm-hmm. tribe and yeah. honoring those people but then also in a in a kind and thoughtful and not overly salesy sort of way, seeking additional branches of the tree. If there's one source and there's a branch on it, well, there might be other branches to find. Well, I mean, what you feed
0: will grow. Yeah. What you starve will die. You don't even have to go into those conversations or outreach, thing, even thinking about generating more business just by staying in. T- I mean, they obviously trust you believe in you like you or they wouldn't have sent you that business
1: opportunity to begin with all you're doing is just feeding the great relationship you have yeah i mean that is if you did nothing else between the holidays that inevitably interesting period between thanksgiving and christmas if you did nothing else but work on that boy it's january 1 i mean you are springboarding forward Mm -hmm. great advice
2: Hey everyone, it's Jake, director for the Business of Homes podcast. I hope you've been enjoying today's episode, starting with how Chris has used winter to sharpen his tools in the past, how being a broker has changed over the years, and how focusing on your failures can be more impactful than looking at your successes. When we return, Michael and Chris take a deep dive into the steps to take this winter to create a successful backbone for the upcoming busy season. You don't want to miss it. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Business of Homes Pod, where you can interact with us and see some great bite sized pieces from all of our episodes. For you listeners out there, did you know our entire podcasts are filmed and are on our YouTube channel? Check it out next time you want to see our amazing guests tell their stories. And are you currently watching this episode in video format? Don't forget to follow us on your preferred audio streaming service to take us with you on the go. Lastly, do you have any feedback or want to suggest someone for the show? Email us at thebusinessofhomespodcast at gmail.com. Please enjoy the rest of today's episode with Chris Grimes. Let's get back to it.
0: Something that I used to love to do when I had more time on my hands, um, I I used to love to sit down and break bread or have coffee or whatever, talk with people that were in sister industries just to learn more about what they do. Mm. Um, Kind of like what you were doing in a much nicer format than I ever did. <laughs> but, um, the more that you know about our sister industries, the more effective it can make you the better of a communicator, whether that is actually a verb, actually a verbal conversation or just having the knowledge to bypass this conversation and go right to step B. And I think that when, uh, you network and you know, other people in other industries, whether it's, it's mortgages. Um, whether it is, um, fill in the blank. Um, you know, there have even been times where I've had a client that was moving example from New York and she had a condo, it was a co-op that she was selling. I knew nothing about that process. I, we don't really have co-ops in Tennessee, nothing. I really need to use what brain cells I have left to understand. I mean, I don't, you know, but I took the time to learn. With, about what that process looked like. And as she started to experience, experience some speed bumps with selling her co-op, it made me a better communicator when it came time to talking to her people on our side, whether it was a lender or a title company. I could actually speak intelligently about, okay, well, this, these are the next few steps that she's going to have to clear. Mm. You know, that way everyone can kind of set expectations a little easier. Yeah. Than you having
1: to be on the line for relaying last minute information. I hope that all makes sense. It does. You know, I, I, I'm constantly reminded that real estate and everything that surrounds the home, it, it really is a team sport. Yeah. And there is a huge benefit in going back and watching film of yourself. Where, where are you oh. succeeding <laughs> and failing? And that, that's that uh, expires and that, you know, tracing yeah. back we were talking about, that's really work on yourself. And that's huge. But inevitably it's really hard um, to kick the ball in the goal without a whole team around you, and so going to your sister industries, um, and acquiring that knowledge, it's either going to be an area of self-reflection. There's going to be someone else's perspective on your business and mm-hmm. how you operate, or even you yourself. It's going to be beneficial to learn from that reflective mirror sort of conversation, or it's going to be sort of a speeding up, an encourager piece where. Maybe you're learning something from a mortgage uh, partner who is like just dropping some new ideas in your head. So you launch into the new year. You're like, oh my gosh, there's a whole area that I can open up a new um, you know, revenue, revenue stream or consumer base because I have this new knowledge. It speeds you up. And so that, again, going back to the shed, sharpening the tools in the relationship category is so huge because- you're either going to get some personal benefit learning out of it, or you're going to get some speeding up. Love that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In a world of wrenches, be a Swiss Army knife.
1: Yes. Have a lot of things. Your team around you is hopefully hearing this, but if they don't have that motivation within themselves, which is something we all struggle with, to get out of bed and do the things we know we should be doing, what are you now doing as a leader? Not just to provide the ideas of what to do, but to be a helpful encourager, but a strong presence to ensure that it gets done, that checks and balance, that accountability. That's why we are building teams as leaders. And that's why we're joining teams as participants, because we want that structure or we want to be able to give that structure. Mm. How has that been looking for your team to be able to respond to these ideas that you're laying down for them?
0: My team structure is different than a lot of other teams. I'm not a rainmaker necessarily. Um, I do have moments where I have rain seasons,
1: <laughs> rainy season, monsoon
0: season. <laughs> um, and I am just innately a person that I, I, I want to share. Um, Cause I, it's, it, I don't know, it's something about the fulfillment and joy mm. that I get from being able to share opportunities with people. We are regrouping. We had been in a place where we were assessing Uh, our expectations of the company we're with and talking with leadership. I think it's healthy to have those conversations. When I was a broker, I wish agents would have come to me before they made a decision to make any sort of change. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that we were thinking about that, but I wish those agents would have thought about coming and talking through some things with me before just making the decision to, to leave the bounce. Yeah. Um, You know, for us, we, we want to keep, we want to keep the great working relationship we have with the company. So we, um, we were assessing some things and we had some meetings with the leadership to make sure that our expectations of them were understood and vice versa. And um, so next year, uh, starting in January, we're going to be getting back to our monthly, I'm, I'm sorry, our weekly meetings together. Um, and we've had, we have so much opportunity in front of us. I feel like we need to put it back all on the table so we can kind of divvy stuff up again because it's a little too much for me to handle on my own. Um and now I feel like I know different people's gifts a little better.
1: Yeah, teams and their multitude of different styles and structures and, you know, how they're all arranged, um is such an interesting part of real estate because it allows such uh unique experience and unique personalities to sort of create these structures that are entirely custom. Um, but there is, and I, I'm always one to say, well, we can reinvent the wheel. That's perfect for us. You know, I, <laughs> I, I go to custom probably first, but I have learned probably <laughs> as a view that there is benefit in looking back and saying, well, what has worked for others in the past? you know? And when we get those intimate looks into other entrepreneurs or other business people, or we get advice maybe from a coach or something like that, and you're like, Okay. Yeah. Maybe we will set ourselves up in a more traditional manner. I I think all of it's good because it's a journey. It's a journey and it's iterative. And I think in business, I can certainly be accused of having to feel like this is it. I got it figured. This is it. And it's nothing else. And then later, if I change, not feeling like I have egg on my face, but saying, nope, it's iterative. We change with the times, we change with the needs, we change with the knowledge. We have to give ourselves grace and go back to the table. And perhaps mm, something I'm sort of hearing in this conversation is the winter is for a reconsideration time. It's looking at yourself and saying, have I learned something relatively recently, last 6, 12, 18 months, that would maybe make me change the way that I'm Interacting with partners, interacting with my team, interacting with my brokerage, interacting with the public. I think it's a good time in the winter for us to look at all of what is structured in our business. Again, I feel like I kind of bang this drum a lot, but you're in a business, Mr. Listener. If you are a real estate agent, you are in a business and you have to consider the decision making of how you structure yourself, how you proceed, how you interact with everyone around you, especially your clients as a business, not just you know, as a person. And so it's a good thing for us to be going back to the places where we have struggled and thinking about how we can make improvements. It's a good thing for us to consider how we've gotten to where we are with the clients and the sister vendor relationships that we have and honoring those and feeding those, as you said, Mm -hmm. sort of, uh, you know, growing those. It's important that we Maintain some level of accountability as business people, whether we're on a team or not. And it's good that we revisit the way we do things so that we cannot always just get stuck in the same way and be the person who has to fax something. No, we don't have to fax anymore. We can use new technology. And so I think this winter months is hard. It's hard to go longer distances between transactions, it's hard um, to take stock, but it's so beneficial. And I'm really, really glad to hear about all the different experience that you've taken from your past as a broker and as an agent and are now kind of breathing into this exciting new team at Cork & Reverie. And I, for one, am excited to see where you're going. So-
0: Michael, thank you.
1: Thank you, Chris, for being here. This is really cool and and always a great time to talk.
0: Well, I've always enjoyed talking with you.
1: Well, I hope that you will stick around. Maybe we'll have you on some other time to dig into another part of real estate. But for those of you listening here, uh, hit the subscribe button and we will catch you next time. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year.
2: we will see you soon. Hey everyone, Jake again, director for the Business of Homes podcast. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. A huge thank you to Chris Grimes for being a part of the podcast. Go follow him on Instagram at partners in Grimes and let him know how much you enjoyed their story. Don't forget to subscribe on your preferred listening platform and make sure to follow us on Instagram as well at The Business of Homes Pod. Do you have any feedback or want to suggest someone for the show? Email us at The Business of Homes Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you soon.